This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to this week's Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host for this week, Matt Addison. James Martin is away, but don't worry, he isn't injured. And just like at Liverpool's first team level, as soon as someone steps out, somebody else can go in and take their place. I'm delighted to say that Andrew Beasley is with me this week. We're going to have a little bit of a look at Liverpool's attacking options for a couple of different reasons, really. Liverpool have got four players now who've got 10 or more goals this season. Only Luis Diaz of the front five doesn't have that. He's on nine, so he's going to hit that at some point. I'm sure hopefully I haven't jinxed him ahead of a big week for Liverpool, but there's obviously been a couple of injury updates as well. And I think it's just generally interesting to have a think about what the future of the Liverpool forward line looks like. Obviously, a new manager in the summer, potentially some changes in terms of personnel across the rest of the team as well. So I think that's sort of broadly where we're going to sort of set the the rest of of this podcast out for uh, the next few weeks. the next few weeks, the next few minutes, rather. Um, but Andrew, let's let's start with Mohamed Salah. Obviously, he's back with injury. Uh, some suggestions from Egypt that he might have a little bit of a knock, but that's obviously unconfirmed. We'll hear a little bit more from Jurgen Klopp on that, I'm sure, this afternoon. But uh, it looked to me like he'd never been away at the weekend, and that has to be a good thing for Liverpool. Yeah, of course. I mean, he he was fantastic, wasn't he, on Saturday? I mean, he should have scored before he did, sort of scuffed that shot wide and and still had time to to score and pick up an assist. Um, I'm sure people have seen, but, you know, he's only the fourth player to score an assist in 30 Premier League games. And he's actually done it three times in the last six, his last six, I should say, because obviously he missed some while he was away and injured and stuff like that. But as you say, it looks like he's never been away. And I mean, if anything... You know he's now had a bit of a a bit of a break as the, the season heads into its sort of final stages. So that's probably a good thing for for Liverpool as well. That you know hopefully he's a little bit refreshed. He certainly looked it. Certainly looked in good form on on Saturday. And um, you know with with games potentially every three days for for pretty much the rest of the season if Liverpool go all the way in the various um, cup competitions and things like that. You know they're going to need him to be at his best. So. It was great to see that he looks like he's uh, he's in form as we enter the sort of most exciting part of the season. Yeah, I mentioned the, the sort of refreshment of him uh, in a piece over the weekend because it, it, it's almost, obviously he's not been out for anywhere near the length of time that Kevin De Bruyne has been out, but it almost feels like there was a, a big conversation about how City will be completely different when Kevin De Bruyne comes back. It, it almost feels like it, it could, be, could be potentially similar for Liverpool in terms of, of Salah if he is refreshed, but... I suppose sort of drawing on what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcasts, I would suggest that maybe whilst it will be a big boost for Liverpool to have him back, he maybe wasn't missed as much as might have been feared when he was obviously going off to AFCON, then had the injury. Liverpool did manage to cope without him, even though they will now be better with him. It's kind of a decent situation for Liverpool, really. Of course, even with Salah, there are going to be moments where he doesn't play. But Liverpool do have the options to cope when that is the case. Yeah, absolutely. I think you look at somebody like um, Thiago Jota, and I'm not 100% sure of the up-to-date figures, but basically he scores non-penalty goals um, about as often as Salah does, and, and people wouldn't assume that, but he does. I mean, again, another player who's been in, who, who was in fantastic form after returning from his last injury. Um, as you've alluded to, we don't quite know what the current status is with him, but obviously it didn't look good on, on Saturday. Reasonable to assume. He'll be out for a while, but I mean, he was like pretty much scoring or assisting every game since he since he came back from injury, and um, it just bodes well for the for the future. Obviously, I mean, I, I think most people would expect Salah to be here next season, but obviously, he probably doesn't have that many years left. So, 
having other guys who can contribute regularly is going to be is going to be so so important. Um, and 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 Jota has shown that that he can be that guy probably more so than the the other three of of Nunes, uh, Gakpo, and Diaz. He's the sort of next most reliable um, guy, or certainly has been in um, in recent times. So yeah, they 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 coped remarkably well without Salah. So you know, then adding him into the mix can can only be a good thing. In terms of, of Diogo Jota, then we might as well come to him next. As you mentioned, him, he's potentially, according to those reports in Portugal, going to be out for a couple of months. I think that would bring him back in time for a potential Europa League semi-final, maybe an FA Cup semi-final if Liverpool are still in there. But there's a, a lot of football to be played before then. It does sort of feel with Diogo Jota, I don't know, to be honest, without having checked this. I probably should have looked this up before we went live, but it, it does feel like he does have a bit of a tendency to get these injuries, not necessarily always the same part of the body, but there's been at least two seasons, hasn't there, during his Liverpool career where he's he's missed three or four months. That might not be the case this time around. Fingers crossed it, it isn't. But as good as he is, it, it does it does seem to, to hit him every so often that he, he does seem to, to miss quite significant chunks of, of each season, which I suppose is why Liverpool have so many other options. But equally, it, it's not great in terms of, he was probably, I would say, in his best form of his Liverpool career in terms of, of goal scoring. And I don't know whether the, the numbers would back that up, but, but certainly it felt like he was in a bit of a run just at that perfect time for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, in some ways he's been un- unlucky. Well, obviously all players are unlucky when they get injured. It's a silly thing to say. But I mean, I, I, obviously the thing on, on Saturday was just a, was a slightly strange thing that has possibly put him out for a couple of months. I think people will remember he played in a Champions League dead rubber against Michelin, I think it was, and he got injured in that. I mean, obviously these things can happen, but probably didn't need to play in that game and, um, you know, ended up uh, sort of um, suffering an injury in it. Um, I mean, again, I've just sort of, pulled up some figures. I mean, these aren't 100% up to date, but they won't be too far wrong. I mean, he's made 2.6 appearances for every one, for every game that he's missed. So that's what you sort of get out of him on average. Um, it's actually basically the same rate as Luis Diaz, but obviously Diaz had one long injury last um, season and I think has otherwise generally been okay. Um, now, obviously, not everybody's going to match up to Mohamed Salah's sort of ridiculous record of of rarely ever being injured. But clearly, if you're only making sort of three appearances for each game you miss, that, that's that's not ideal. I mean, there's plenty of midfielders at Liverpool with worse records. But I mean, if we're calling him probably the second best forward or at least the second most reliable forward when he plays, you want him to play more often than than he, than he has been doing. So whilst he's been unlucky, um, yeah, it, it seems like he can't get through a season without suffering, you know, at least one injury or other that keeps him out for a month or two. It's one of those as well where you think of his injury record is obviously a bit of an issue in terms of the consistency, but the consistency when he does play, the numbers, as you've mentioned there, are very good in terms of his goal scoring, the assists as well. I mean, the assist at the weekend, for example, before he got injured was just a moment of brilliance from him. But it's also not that long ago that he went over a year, and again, he was injured for a period in that year, but he went over a year without scoring for Liverpool. So, it, it, it's sort of baffling to me that his numbers are that good and yet he still went all that time without scoring. I mean, imagine if he'd just scored five or six goals in that period. The, the averages and, and the numbers in terms of when he is fit, it would have been it would have been even more skewed towards what he can do. When he when he's at his best, he is he is right up there among the, the very best attackers in the Premier League or, you know, the, the Champions League when Liverpool are in that he's he is really elite when he is fit. It, it 
almost makes it even more frustrating that he's now going to miss a period for Liverpool because he's he's not been able to, to put a full season together. Yeah, I mean, I've got the figures here now. I mean, uh, for Liverpool, Jota's got a non-penalty goal every 151 minutes. Uh, Salah is up 156. Now, obviously, Salah's sample is much bigger than, than Jota's, for the, partly for the reasons that we've just said, and he's been at the club longer. But basically, Jota is top of all the players at, at Liverpool. Um, so he's 151, Salah 156, Nunes 167, uh, Mane was 180, um, Firmino 229 and stuff like that. So Jota's top of that, of all the sort of Klopp era forwards, and he didn't score for a year, as you say. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how many minutes he played in that year. He did he did have an injury, as you say. But, um, you know, he's basically worth a goal every sort of game and a half um, when he can be on the when he can be on the pitch. But obviously uh, that, that isn't often enough. I mean, he's done 92.390s for Liverpool. I think this is his fourth season. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 2021 he joined, didn't he? So... Obviously, there's still some time to come this season, but if the two-month injury is correct, he probably only gets you know five or ten more games, depending on on exactly when he comes back. So let's say he gets to 100 per 90s. I mean, that's 25 a season for a team that are probably playing 50 to 60 games sort of most seasons, depending on quite how successful they are in the cups and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know exactly where he fits, but I mean, that's roughly 50% of the possible minutes. I mean, it's it's not great, is it? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the uh, the frustration with him. But when he is back and when he is fit, hopefully he can get back into a bit of a run. I know when uh, when he first signed for Liverpool, I think it was in 2020 rather than 2021. But I think he came in and, and Liverpool kind of had this player that had been a little bit streaky for Wolves. That was certainly the message that, that we were getting, that he would go on these runs, and, and maybe that that is the case, really, with him. Maybe the, the runs, the, the good bits have been longer. Obviously, the year without a goal was probably a lot longer than what he would have been expecting as well. So maybe it is it is a similar thing, but just maybe slightly elongated across a, a longer period of time. But uh, let's move on to the, the next player we're going to discuss, Darwin Nunez, who is um, an interesting case in terms of trying to, to analyse him. I actually thought what Michael Owen tweeted, I think you, you saw that the other day, I think you wrote a, a piece around uh, that for us, didn't you, the, the other day as well. Um, I thought yeah. that was really interesting in terms of, of the finishing. Daniel Sturridge as well was interesting. Um, I can't quite remember when that was, but that was at some point this season where he kind of made the point that he maybe needs to develop a certain finish for a certain type of, of situation that he's in. I don't necessarily think that shipping the goalkeeper as he did at the weekend will work every single time, uh, which was kind of what Michael Owen was getting at, really. But how do you sort of sum him up at the moment? Because I obviously write quite a lot about him because he is um, a player that does score a lot of goals for Liverpool and, and is very heavily involved. But every single time I write about him, I'm not quite sure quite how to sum him up. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think that probably the... I think the best way to sum him up is obviously he's sort of frustrating and inconsistent in front of goal, but ultimately Liverpool are a better attacking team when he plays, and that has to be the main thing. They just they get more expected goals, more clear-cut chances, things like that. I mean, most people would say, certainly non-Liverpool fans would say he hasn't been particularly successful for the club, but he's still averaged like 0.86 goals or assists per 90. I mean, he's, he's nearly delivering a goal contribution every match and I mean you, you can't you can't really ask for much more than that and and that's with him missing all manner of of chances that you know you would probably expect him to score 
I've obviously written various bits over over his time with Liverpool. And it doesn't seem to matter how you break it down. He's always underperforming expected goals and pretty much every, you know, with his feet or with his head or at home or away or first half, second half or anything, you know, you can look at. He hasn't performed and, it, you know, he overperformed by about 10 goals, I think it was, for Benfica the season before he joined. And so he's in this weird position where across his career, he's sort of virtually at, at sort of level, but it's a massive upsurge the season before he joined and, and sort of everything else has been below par, which suggests that sort of below par is is realistically his level. But as I say, he just makes Liverpool, he's a magnet for for good chances, good opportunities and stuff like that. Like the, the amount Liverpool have when he's on the pitch is is better than pretty much any other team certainly in the sort of stats era, has has delivered in the Premier League, you know, over three big chances every 90 minutes when he plays. It just so happens that, unfortunately, he misses quite a few of them himself. But if you're weighing it up, as I say, if Liverpool are a better team when he plays, then then he should be in the team. And that's, I think, Jurgen Klopp, I mean, certainly publicly, when he sort of talks about him, if he gets asked about Nunes' finishing, that's the basic line that, that he's pushing as well. It's like, well, you know, look at all this other stuff he does. We're a better team and... And, and the numbers sort of um, back that up, really. Yeah, he's he's such an interesting case, I think, in terms of um, the age that he is, the experience that he's got. You kind of think that he could at any moment explode and, and suddenly it just clicks into place. But then I, I kind of flip between thinking, well, the numbers maybe don't say that that's the case up to this point. But then again, he's only 24. He's still got the best years ahead of him. He's in a team where he's getting so many chances that you think that, at some point, he will just have a season where he just puts in an extra, you know, even an extra 10% of them, it would be a, a substantial amount that would sort of accumulate across the course of a season. It, He almost feels to me like one where he'll either just be this player forever or at some point, hopefully soon, he can sort of kick on and, and take that next step and, and start to do something completely different to what he's doing now in terms of the finishing rather than, than everything else. Where do you sort of sit on the the scale of, is he going to explode? Is he going to stay the same? It, it sort of feels like it, it's one end of the spectrum or the other to me, but where where do you kind of sit on, on that sliding scale? I mean, I'm an optimist, so I'd like to think, you know, at the explode end of the scale is right. I mean, you see how many times he's hit the woodwork this season. I mean, the, the parallels with Luis Suarez are kind of obvious because of obviously the Uruguayan connection and things like that. But obviously Luis Suarez had the same sort of thing when he first came to Liverpool, you know, very sort of wasteful in front of goal. And then, um, exploded and scored 30 goals and, and sort of never really looked back from there. Um, it's possible Nunes does the same thing, of course. I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously, we'd all like that. He has hit the woodwork. I mean, he's not just hitting the woodwork with, like, you know, half chances. I think it's eight times he's done it with a with an opt-to-define big chance this season. You know, chances where you would expect most players to score, and, and he's hitting the woodwork. I mean, the, the Toulouse one is probably the most sort of notable, going around the goalkeeper and still hitting the post and stuff like that. But it doesn't, I don't think it would take much for him to to be scoring even more goals. I think, you know, an interesting um, point I heard um, Neil Atkinson make on the, the Anfield Rap was sort of comparing him to, to Didier Drogba as, as someone who will cause defences a lot of problems. And some years he'll score 14 goals and the next year he'll score 30 and then he'll go back to, to scoring 12 or whatever and, and stuff like that. And I think that's a, that's a possibility for... For Nunes, because he he could have done that this season with with only fractionally different sort of finishing, he'd have scored so many more goals. So it could be he becomes a sort of player like that who is constantly a menace to to opposition teams. But the goal tally from season to season could could fluctuate quite a bit. But um, 
Obviously, you know, we'll hope for more of a, of a Suarez level of, of upswing than perhaps Drogba, a bit more of a consistent one. But, you know, even if he was doing sort of Drogba numbers for the rest of his career, I mean, I think we'd, we'd be happy with that if it was for Liverpool. Yeah, I think it's important to say as well. I mean, even if we're saying the worst case scenario is that he does what he did last season and, and maybe this season in terms of missing chances, he scored 15 goals for Liverpool in his debut season, in a season where Liverpool were basically terrible for all but the last third of, of the season where they started to to get a little bit better. Obviously, there was then a lot of, of pressure to, to get points to try and squeeze into the Champions League. So if the, the low point is that he scores 15 goals in a season, that's that's not a bad place to, to kick on and go forward with. But let's move on to a couple of other players then. We're going to talk uh, Cody Gakpo in just a second, but we'll come to Luis Diaz next. It sort of feels like there's another level to him as well, uh, to me, similar to, to Nunez in some, uh, in some ways. He's obviously at a, a decent level, I think nine goals and, and three assists, I think it is off the top of my head this season for him. It's not outstanding numbers. He's, he's clearly um, a very talented player. He's got a lot of, of potential. There's obviously been off-the-field stuff that he's had to contend with this season. He's come off the back of a big injury as well. So there's there's lots of, of reasons, really, to think that there's another level to, to come from him. You wrote something interesting as well about his, his dribbling and that kind of thing. I think that's probably what people will think of when they think Luis Diaz is that ability to, to go past someone which maybe hasn't quite been there in the same way that it was pre-injury. But again, what's what's your sort of assessment of, of Luis Diaz this season? Because he's another one that you think it wouldn't take that much for him to go up a, a significant amount, I think, at Liverpool. Yeah, it's been a bit of a strange career in a way for him at Liverpool, hasn't it? Because obviously he had that first half season and then, you know, his first full season, he was injured for a, for a huge portion of it. There's then been the off-field stuff, um, you know, this season, which was was terribly unfortunate. And obviously you can't sort of prepare or, or allow for that sort of thing. But I mean, you look at his numbers, you know, last 11 games, it's four goals and three assists. I mean, that that's a pretty decent, you know, return. If he could sort of be delivering that sort of thing now on a consistent basis, you know, then that, that, that would be fantastic. A goal or assist sort of roughly every other game, you know, it would, would be a good return from him. I mean, yeah, you, you're right to say about the dribbling. It is quite strange that he... He's one of the top players in the league for for dribbling and then having a shot at the end of it, but he just hasn't scored from it. And then, of course, you think back. Well, there's actually the the, the infamous Tottenham goal um, would have uh, would have counted for that, but was was incorrectly ruled out. Um, but yeah, he's he's sort of a he's been erratic, but it, I think he's starting to show signs of a little bit more consistency. I think what you know we as as Liverpool supporters and, and writers and analysts have got to get used to is you know we. We had that sort of five years where it was Salah, Firmino, Mane, pretty much every game, certainly every big game. And now, I mean, I think Salah will start pretty much every game when fit still. I, you know, no sign of that changing. But beyond that, it could be any of the other the four in the sort of six possible combinations that they that they go together. So, um, you know, we might have started the season. Um, I think a lot of people might have thought maybe Jota was. Fifth out of five. I think most people now might think maybe Gakpo's fifth out of five. But obviously, if if one of them goes on a on a bit of a dry spell, they then become the sort of fifth choice. And while none of these combinations might ever be, none of the three, you might not find a three as good as Salah, Firmino, and Mane. The depth now is is better than it's ever been. You know, the 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 options to come off the bench. You know, Origi and Minamino both had their moments, but with the players they've got now, the the, the combinations are are incredible. So. 
Yes, we'd like to see um, perhaps a little more consistency from Diaz, but I think he's getting there. And I think it's also going to be very difficult to get consistency from five sort of elite level forwards, which they've now got just because there's going to be rotation and, and different combinations. And it, it may be hard for them all to contribute continually. But um, yeah, I think what we've seen from Diaz the last couple of months is, is very encouraging, certainly. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned there about the, the rotation because I think that's probably... It's helpful in terms of keeping these players fit and available and as refreshed as they can possibly be. But probably to some extent for Diaz, certainly for Cody Gakpo, as we'll come on to, it's it's not been easy to have a, a run in the side, even when Cody Gakpo's been dropped in. It's it's maybe more been in a, a mixed change team or it's been that he's been dropped in and then taken back out again. Obviously, we don't know at this moment. We'll probably find out in about an hour or so from Jurgen Klopp where Darwin Nunez is up to because of, of him dropping out of, of the team at half-time with a, a precaution over the weekend. But it, it sort of feels like any of these players probably just want to have five games where they know they want to start and then we can kind of assess them a little bit. That's probably not going to happen because of, of the number of matches, the intensity, the, the changes that Liverpool need to make. But I think with Cody Gappo as well, the other thing as well as the consistency of, of minutes, is also the consistency of his position. He's played you know, through the middle, he's played on the left, he's played a little bit on the right, he's played in midfield, which I don't think is, is something we've seen for a while now, which is, is maybe a sign of, of good things in the midfield are starting to happen. Having said that, there's been more injuries in that department as well lately. So I think for Cody Gakpo, I'd agree he's, he's fifth out of five for Liverpool at the moment, but you almost, you need to see him three games in a row before we can kind of judge him. And, of course, he's already got 10 goals this season, which we shouldn't forget either. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another player who's who's sort of delivered when he's played, as you say. I mean, he, you know, first two games of the season, he's playing left midfield. Um, you know, very, very few um, stretches of sort of consistent um, appearances in the starting eleven. I mean, just looking at this season, he had a three-game run where he played um, as the central of the three forwards, which I think most people would say is probably his his best position. But I mean, other than that, he's been in and out of the side and occasionally um, in different positions and stuff like that. So it, I think it probably has been hard for him to to show his best form. But again, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say he's particularly let the, the side down, even if he is probably um, fifth choice out of five at, at present. I don't think he's let the side down and, and he's delivering goals and assists as well, just like the others are. So um you know, he will likely feature more, assuming that the Jota probably is out now for for an extended spell. You can imagine him starting more often. I think perhaps an interesting thing actually is we haven't seen him much on the left, which is where he was really strong for for PSV. Klopp just doesn't seem to to give him a go there. I mean, obviously it's it's probably the position where Liverpool have the most options is the is the left. You could argue all the four apart from Salah could uh could play there and probably play well and, and have done. But um yeah, it seems to be either through the middle or, or, or weirdly in midfield. But um, yeah, he, he should get some more opportunities over the next couple of months, you would think. Yeah, and again, he, he might be fifth out of five at the moment. But if Diogo Jota is out, again, if if Darwin Nunez is out for, for midweek, if Cody Gakpo had to play against Luton and then started the cup final next weekend, I don't think anybody would be particularly worried or, or concerned about that. It's just the level of, of depth and, and quality that Liverpool have got in that position at the moment. But just a couple more things then before we, we come to the end of, of the show. I mentioned at the start, we talk a little bit about the future, possibly a bit about the summer as well. 
mainly because I think there's an argument to add another one. I know we've we've talked through five really, really good players there, but there's always going to be one injured. That's one thing. The Champions League next season, I think we can pretty much guarantee that Liverpool are going to be in that from this point onwards. Obviously, two more matches within that. It's not going to be quite as, as easy without being disrespectful to the teams that Liverpool played in the Europa League. I think we can pretty much guarantee that whoever Liverpool get next season drawn against is going to be uh, a lot harder than, than what it was this time around. So they've obviously reaped the benefits of having these five players. I still think there's an argument to go and, and get one more in the summer. What do you think about that? Would that be a priority for you? I suppose it depends to some extent as well on, on who the manager is and, and how they want to set up. Yeah, I think your last point there is probably the the key one, isn't it? Because we don't know as yet who the manager is going to be and what system they're going to um, deploy. Um, I think you could also, well, I was going to say you could make a case for maybe Ben Doak getting more minutes, assuming he stays fit. But of course, that's easier in a Europa League campaign than it is in a Champions League compa- campaign. But he'll be an option for, you know, minutes off the bench and, and cup games and stuff like that. But really, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see who the who the manager is and, and what their um, what their tactics are going to be. And, and even then, let's let's assume it's Alonso for argument's sake. That's I think who obviously most people would like. There's no guarantee he's going to make Liverpool play like his um, Leverkusen team play, even though that would be the logical thing to do. He may not do that with the players available. So I think it's quite hard. I think. Um, Again, depending on who the manager is, I think that there's probably more urgent transfer needs for me than than, than getting another forward with, um, you know, possibly extra um, bodies for the defence and and maybe a holding midfielder. Although obviously Endo has, has done really well this season and stuff like that. But at a time when there's going to be a lot of questions and um, uncertainty, it, it wouldn't be a priority for me. But again, it depends which which manager gets the job. But I suppose what we can say is they're unlikely to be starting more than three forwards at, at any time, whatever system they use. So um, you would think five to cover three with guys like Doak filling in in cup games and stuff should be enough, Kate Gordon as well. But um, a lot can change. If, it, if it's going to be two up front, then we've certainly got enough already, you would think. Yeah, it, it partly depends, of, of course, on, on all of those factors. Kate Gordon as well. I think there's probably an argument for, for Gordon, Doak, maybe both to be on loan next season. The other thing I was going to mention as well, which sort of plays into it as well as, as what we mentioned before, is the Mohamed Salah question. Again, I don't think anybody would like to see him moved on this summer. I don't think anybody thinks that that will happen. I personally think it, it just has to be ruled out. You can't lose Klopp and Salah in the same summer. That would be that would be far too much change in, in one go. But I think it would probably help to get a, a succession plan in for Salah while Salah is still there as well. Now, maybe there's an argument that Darwin Nunez is that and maybe you know, two or three years of, of Nunez and then he takes the next step when Salah moves on. Maybe that's the case, but I think that, that partly plays into it as well. I mean, what what would you do in terms of Mohamed Salah for the next couple of years? Because I don't think anybody wants to lose him. There's a bit of a contract question though. There is. I mean, I would certainly keep him... If it turns out that um, he's decided, let's say for argument's sake, to, to run down his contract and, and next season is his last season, I would still keep him rather than sell unless a ridiculous offer came in from somewhere. Because as you say, there's a lot of changes. So you don't want to be losing um, what most people would say is your is your best player. As we said earlier in the in the show, I think Liverpool have shown that they can sort of cope without him these last few weeks. I don't think it would be the absolute end of the world if if he were to leave. But but personally, I would be doing everything to keep him. 
and beyond next season as well. But obviously that that sort of conversation for another day and, and another manager, ultimately now, unfortunately. But um, I thought it was interesting that the recent Burnley game, you know, they started with Jota, Nunes and Diaz and all three scored. So, you know, getting all the front three all scoring with one of them not being Salah had, had sort of never happened before. So that sort of thing shows that there's, you know, hope for the future. And, and again, the Brentford game, all five forwards either scored or assisted or scored and or assisted. Um, that only bodes well as well. So, you know, it, it, I don't think we're at the point where it's the end of the world if, if Liverpool are without Salah, but you'd want to be keeping him um, next season because I think it's going to be hard enough as it is for a new manager to take over from Klopp. So the idea of then having to to be without Salah doesn't really bear thinking about. But um, yeah, if, if it were me, I think I would at least let him run down his contract, but ideally keep him for, for beyond next season for a year or two more as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, we're both in agreement with that. Give him a new contract, keep him for as long as you can. And I think that the left-footed thing is, is important as well in terms of the sort of balance of the Liverpool attack. Obviously, Liverpool have coped without him. But again, it would be a lot easier to, to keep him for as long as whoever the new manager is can can do. That would certainly be, be something that I think everybody would be on board with. But I think that will just about do us. I think we'll leave it there for, for this week. Uh, thanks a lot to everyone who's left comments in the, the live chat. We have been taking a look at those. I've tried to answer a couple of those questions as we've gone along. Thank you to those who are listening back later on as well. We'll be back next week with the next Liverpool.com dot com podcast james martin will be back as well for now though thank you for listening and goodbye for now you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo